Hello and welcome to the first official episode of Beyond the Headset, recorded on July 8th, 2014. I'm your host, Chase. Today, I'd like to introduce the idea of the vastness of what is meant by gaming culture. I'm not breaking any ground here by saying that video games are a big topic with a lot of nuance and room for interpretation. Now, similarly, this is a topic which has been eloquently covered by many different people over the years. So the question here is in figuring out where to begin. I suppose my personal experience with the evolution of games is one of the only ways to get even a reasonably fresh take on the subject. Now, before I get started, I wish to emphasize one thing. I'm concerned that what I'm going to be talking about will sound too much like 90s kid nostalgia, which I often feel is detrimental to discussion of childhood these days. This is not my intention. Instead, my goal is to provide a rough narrative of the development of the cultural experience of gaming through a particularly personal lens. I was born 20 years ago in 1994 to a home which already had a Super Nintendo. From what I can gather, my mom bought it for my dad a few years before I was born, but he never really bothered to play it that much. Now, Anyway, from a young age I have memories of playing games like Super Mario World or the licensed Lion King game where I could never get past the second level despite hundreds of hours in attempts. The 2D worlds of the SNES soon gave way to more open-world 3D environments on the Nintendo 64 in games like Super Mario 64 or Zelda Ocarina of Time. This generation of gaming had a particular impact on me because it was when I entered elementary school that all this was going on. It was the first time in my life that other people around my age were having halfway intelligible conversations about anything. The shorthand of the era often ended up being video games because it was the medium with the greatest chance of being experienced in an equal way by everyone in the conversation. While the internet existed and was popular, online video was still a couple years away. Time shifting for television existed through the VCR, but it was a little tricky for everyone to stay on the same page on with every episode of CatDog or Spongebob that came out. As far as movies went, every family had different rules on what their six-year-old children could see in the theater. I recall being horrified that a first-grade classmate of mine was allowed to see Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes starring Mark Wahlberg, which had been rated PG-13. With video games, however, as long as you or a friend had a console and the right games, you could experience the same media in about the same way as everybody else and truly engage with that content by interacting with the players on screen. Of course, engaging with content are words that should never be spoken by any self-respecting six-year-old. Instead, games were awesome, and it was acceptable to say that other kids sucked for not owning a Dreamcast, because that was the system of the future, according to some dumb bullies. It was around this time that handheld gaming began to take off in my age group as well, through the Game Boy Color and later the Game Boy Advance. The Pokemon games were the most popular among us, and innovative because they were probably the first turn-based RPGs that my age group ever came into contact with. This was some pretty nerdy stuff we were dealing with, and we just didn't know it yet. A key loss of innocence moment in my childhood was when an older kid, who might have been a fifth grader, somehow duped me into trading my best Pokemon for his worth, worst through a link cable at a public pool. As time went on, new consoles began to be released, and graphics got better and better. Online play became a bigger deal as well during this time. The Halo games were very influential during this era for their multiplayer capabilities. MMORPGs like World of Warcraft were at the height of their popularity. 
Around the time when I was in middle and high school, my town had a gaming center called the D-Pad, with around 20 or 30 TVs hooked up to all the major consoles, and 10 or 11 PCs where anyone could come in for $5 an hour and play any of the hundreds of games they owned. They would also do lock-ins where anyone could stay overnight and play with friends and drink Red Bull and do anything like that. Since I was never any good at shooting games, I used my opportunities there to get particularly good at competitive Guitar Hero, an interest which developed into a desire to play real instruments. As a little sociologist at the time, I was always fascinated by the guys in their 20s, several of whom worked at the D-pad, spending the entire night of a lock-in sitting together at the PCs organizing a raid in World of Warcraft. I'll admit I learned quite a few new words there. While the D-pad sadly shut down a few years ago, I'm glad to say I'm still close with the owner, and hopefully I can get him in on, on a guest on this show some point. Today, the experience of gaming is so diverse that it's difficult to connect some of the experiences which are called games as being similar at all. While the label of gamer once referred to a rather specific stereotype, this is going away as access to games broadens through the consoles, PC gaming, handheld systems, and in particular, through mobile apps enjoyed by millions of people with smartphones. Casual gaming is here to stay as the, de as the definition of who plays must evolve. Different people find different obsessions in their games, and while there are individuals who have played 500 hours of Skyrim, there are also those who have spent just as much time playing 2048. I feel we must take all of these variations into account, recognizing our history and the cultural differences among games and gamers, in order to get a better picture of where we are as a society at play. In later episodes over the coming weeks, the plan is to talk about more specific topics in gamer culture, such as indie game development, evolutions and distribution, and how gaming impacts one's self-concept. Later this week, I'm going to be visiting Tallahassee, and while I'm there, it's my intention to record an episode with a member of the Ask You Student Life Center Game Committee, a student group with a specific focus on bringing friends together through games and engaging the campus with gaming events. As always, I can be contacted at Reverend Chase on Twitter if you have any questions or comments to me about the show. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back later on.